Welcome to Life in the Pit, a podcast about the lives and adventures of instrumentalists within the wonderful world of musical theater. And now, here is your host, David Lane. And hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 45. And it's good to be with you once again. It's actually been a really good week just browsing the news. Um, Some of the tours have announced that they are going to be part of some upcoming seasons around the country, so it's a good chance to catch some Broadway tours. That means that those musicians are getting back to work. Broadway is coming up with a plan to get some of their shows back. It's not going to get back to normal all at once. In fact, I, I would venture to say that it probably will be 2022 before it starts to look normal again, but at least it looks like we're heading that direction. Fingers crossed that things continue to progress in terms of vaccines that are given and immunity and all of that. And uh, this is just such potentially really good news. You know, it's a little sad, but I've been hearing this week about how there are some musicians, some Broadway musicians, some actors, some people, some people who have just said, uh, this has gone on long enough. I need to I need to do something else with my life. This is just too fragile of something. And, you know, I have to say I completely understand that. Um, you never know when something like this might happen again. Um, but I will say that as live theater opens up, I think it's needed more than ever. And uh, and I hope if you've been listening to this or if you're just now discovering that this will whet your appetite to be around live musicians again, because, you know, it's just not the same. You can hear a recording, you can hear um, something that's been live streamed, and it's just not the same as hearing those acoustic frequencies and uh, those sound waves that you can feel it in the presence and and actually, you know, even look down and see what the musicians are doing, Uh, look on stage and see the interaction, feel the body heat. Uh, These are all part of... It's just something that cannot be duplicated on a screen. And and I just hope that you're getting as excited as I am about live performance art being on its way back. One of the people that have been affected by this pandemic is Mary Ann McSweeney. She is my guest today, and she's going to tell you what she's been doing during the pandemic that has nothing to do with music. But... That's not entirely true because she's also been keeping up with her music, and she'll tell you about that as well. Marianne McSweeney plays the bass. She's done it in Broadway productions, and um, I'm just going to go ahead and say if you've ever if you've seen a Broadway production in the last twenty years or more, there's a good chance that Marianne McSweeney was playing the bass in the production that you saw. Um, I'm not going to list all these shows. I'm just going to list some of them. A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, The Book of Mormon, Sister Act, Fiddler on the Roof, Aladdin, Anything Goes, Evita, Newsies, Avenue Q, Scarlet Pimpernel, Sunset Boulevard, You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, Next to Normal, Ragtime, 42nd Street, A Little Night Music, Fosse, Billy Elliot, Oklahoma. But wait, David, I thought you said you weren't going to read all of those, and I didn't. That was about a third of them. She has substituted for a lot of shows. She's also on the cast albums of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, Avenue Q, Far From Heaven, and Silence. Avenue Q, she was the original bassist and was there for more than six years. We're going to talk about her career on Broadway. And, oh yes, we have more listener questions. This is our second round of those, so stay tuned for that. Let's get into it. This is my interview with Mary Ann McSweeney. It's my pleasure to be talking with you today. How have you been doing during the pandemic? How does how does the past year differ professionally from what you've been what you would be doing in a normal year? Okay, so it's very different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I normally let's see the, my last show that I was doing on Broadway. We had just opened. It was called Girl from the North Country. Okay, and it was all the music of Bob Dylan. It was super beautiful, and we had just recorded our album. Well, we had opened the show, and then recorded the album, and then I think two days later, three days later, we were done. We we had to go home. They were like, 
we'll see in a couple of weeks. We have to clean the theater. <laughs> right. You know, so um, I we were working extremely hard. I would say probably mostly seven days a week um, with the put it or with the rehearsals and you know a lot of people don't maybe they do realize but it is extremely grueling for the first part when you're putting a new show together and because I was in costume on stage with the band we were in we had to be at all the rehearsals the 10 hour what do they call them 10 out of 12 something like that 10 hours out of 12 and and, So we were doing that. And um, also, at the same time, before that, you know, I was probably subbing on three or four different shows. So I was pretty busy doing that. And I was, I had just gotten this really nice teaching gig where I, where we live in the Bronx. Um, my husband moved, my husband and I moved to the Bronx. Now we're going on, I don't know, four and a half years. I can't even remember. And after being in Brooklyn for 20 something years, and there was this lovely school and an opening, and they needed a low strings teacher. I'm like, yes. Mm. So I got to, te- you know, I was teaching orchestra, you know, most mostly just bass players. Right. And um, I had section rehearsals with these teenagers, and the school was right there. And I'm like, this is great because, you know, and they, they seemed very flexible. But then when I got the show, it became a problem because... You know, when you do a show and you're on stage and you're in costume, uh, we had blocking, we were in scenes, um, you know, and then you do other things besides just the show. I think people in in general don't realize that they're like, oh, you're only working at night. I'm like, that two and a half hours? No, no, it's not like that. Right, um, right. To get this show up and running was, you know, it took a lot. And it was great. So that was my life before. Right. <laughs> and my life now, um, we have this little cabin in the Berkshires in Massachusetts. Mm. And it was a rental. We would rent to, um, actually, Sheila Abate stayed here. Right. She, she works at, um, for the Boston uh, Tanglewood, the Institute. Um, so we've had a lot of people rent from here, you know, for, for years and my husband is a high risk. So we just, right around now, a year ago, we just packed it up and left the Bronx because it was, it was too much. Um, the sirens literally 24 seven, we lived near like four nursing homes. Uh, we were playing at home and teaching as well on zoom which I had to learn very fast, like to teach my classes on Zoom. And we were getting complaints from our neighbors. So I'm like, okay, that's it. Right. <laughs> and we were practicing. We were trying to play together, thinking that we're going to go to work soon. You know, because mm. it was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be three weeks. No, now we're going to see in June. I'm like, okay. So we moved to the Berkshires into this little cabin. Thank God we have it. Mm-hmm. A little deck. It's in a forest. And, um, you know, my life changed drastically from being a freelance, very, very busy bass player and for 26 years in New York City to there was, it was like silence, you know. And um, part of me was like, okay, we're going to go back in June, so I'm going to do some things that I never I could never find the time for and and that there was too much um, it, it, psychologically I, I just I couldn't do that um, so my life today here we are in 2021 this summer on the deck at this little cabin I was like you know if I don't do something if I if I just wait this out I'm gonna crack up because we could play outside with our friends, you know, we would go to like friends' house in the Berkshires and have these little jam sessions with masks outside so we could keep playing. But um, I wasn't used to this downtime. I, I mean, I guess I was a little bit of a, I don't even want to say the word, I won't say it. <laughs> <laughs> 
somebody that works a lot, like constantly. Right. That, I won't say what that word is because I'm I'm not sure if I'm that person, but I, you know, I was busy, so I I decided to take a class and go to real estate school, and I could take it here safely. Yeah. On the deck. And I became a real estate agent, um, and now I'm I'm selling a house, you know, over there at that other lake. Right. <laughs> and I just was at an inspection today, meeting all sorts of people, and also telling my broker, who's lovely, uh, that I am I have a couple gigs in the Berkshires, and she's like, "Oh, I'm going to bring everybody." I'm like, "Okay." <laughs> so, um, you know, it's it's completely different. And some part parts of me needed the downtime, frankly. Right. I haven't right. really taken a break maybe ever. I like vacations, but they're always kind of like three, four, five days here. You know, a lot of people that don't live in New York maybe take regular – they have more regular lives. We're like crazy with the – you know, we got to keep going. We, you know, we moved to New York to play music. And that's what we did. And when there was no music to be played, we're like, okay. And with all that was going on, did I already say that we lived next to four nursing homes? I mean, they were within a couple miles. It it was really bad last time this year. This year was terrible. Um, So, yeah, that's... That's the life today. I mean, I have my base. I have all. I have my bases here. I've been recording. When people want something, I can. I know how. I've taught myself how to be my own engineer. So people need to, you know, electric bases, upright bass, classical, jazz, rock, funk. Uh, I don't care. I'll do it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love music. You know, somebody said, one of the engineers I work with a lot, he said, I said, you know, I just love playing. I, it doesn't even matter the style. I just love playing. And I love playing with my my community. And I miss, I really miss uh, the hang, you know, like when you're in a pit. Right. You know, I've been subbing, I started subbing on Broadway in 1993, maybe 1994. And my first Broadway show subbing was Tommy. Okay. Nice. So me, I had just played some theater in LA. I lived in LA for 10 years and I was playing, I played theater, you know, along with my jazz gigs and some studio work and whatever. But that this was a whole other level of professionalism. And I was freaked out. Mm. I mean, completely unglued. And I, I went into that pit um, with head, they would put me, um, with headphones so I could hear the, everybody, or I could hear myself and I would actually play along. I could just only hear myself. There was a little room for me to kind of shadow the bass player, um, Steve Gelfan, who had the chair. And I went in there t- probably 10 times to, in quotes, audit, but really play and so I could be get used to everything. So when it was time for my turn to really play the show, I had been through it a number of times. You know, I knew the book really well. There was a lot of stuff that John Entwistle, the original bass player from The Who, mm-hmm. um, played that I had to learn. I had to memorize it because it was crazy. Um, I had to. I never played with the pick before. I had to right. learn to play the pick, um, and it was so scary and at the same time so awesome because some of those people that I met there I'm friends with today I've played with them um we've been playing in the pits for all these years you know I'll see them here and there and um they're all like just the level of playing when I heard this I was like okay this is why Broadway has that reputation, right? Right. I mean, it, it's the highest level of the highest level. Right. And it's gotten higher. Yeah. I was just looking at it. It almost makes me laugh. The email you sent me says partial list of Broadway shows I played. It almost <laughs> fills up a page. 
And, uh, you know, I'm not going to read the whole list, but I'm just going to read some of these. You, you've got A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, The Book of Mormon, uh, Sister Act, Fiddler on the Roof, Aladdin. Uh, one that jumps out at me is one of my the favorite, one of my most favorite shows I've ever played, Next to Normal. And oh, uh, I love that show. Oh, yeah. I was a sub there, but I loved it. Right. Uh, the Adams Family, Billy Elliot, Miss Saigon, Fosse, 42nd Street, A Little Night Music. This just goes on and on. So one question that popped in my mind is, are there any theaters on Broadway you haven't played in yet? There, there might be one or two. But it's funny because sometimes I would be like, okay, if I'm subbing on three or four shows, sometimes five shows, I'd be like, all right, what theater is this going? You know, like, what, you know, like. Okay, and so one time, only one time, I was way on time, but I got there, I walk into the theater, like, they're like, hey, Marianne, how you doing? I'm like, great, how are you? Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, we don't really see you in the book. I'm like, oh, my God, this is the wrong theater. <laughs> all my friends were there, you know? It's like that, you know? You, you It's like you, you walk in the door, you're like, oh, my friends are here, but uh, wrong show. Wrong Next. friends. <laughs> For that night, so that only happened once in all these years. Right. Um, And then my second list is just seeing such a long list, and you've you've talked a lot about subbing. Um, How many of these shows? uh, I mean, are is subbing mainly what you do, or have you have have you sat down and been like the principal for any of these shows? Yeah. So um, Charlie Brown, I was the principal for that, and I we we took that show to Skokie. Right? Do you right. know uh, the name, yeah. Skokie, Illinois, which is right outside of Chicago. And we, we, that's where we started working that show. You know, they were working it out. Um, and I was sitting next, I was uh, in a hotel next door to the um, composer. So I'd hear all sorts of stuff in the middle of the night. Right. The next day, they'd hand us a sheet and they're like, this is the new song. I'm like, Cool, I already heard that. Um, right. <laughs> you know? So um, that was a show I sat down with for a little while, but the longest running, which is crazy long, was Avenue Q. That was my chair right. on Broadway. That went from off-Broadway to, it was a th- very small band. Uh, the, the second keyboard played all the bass lines, um, and when they moved to Broadway, I got a call, Mm-hmm. They said, we want you to play at this puppet show. And I was like, oh, really? A puppet show? I'm <laughs> so not having it. And the contractor said, Marianne, I'm going to give you two days. Do your research. And I thought, okay. And I did my research and I checked it out. And they said, this is going to be the sleeper. This will be the sleeper of the year. Right. I was like, what? Are you kidding? A puppet show? So I ended up taking the chair. They added me and uh, Brian Coonan, the guitarist, mm-hmm. to the band. So it was only um, five of us. And we were underneath the stage in a padded room together for six and a half years. Wow. Okay. Um, I learned how to play chess there. <laughs> I learned a lot there. <laughs> it was me and five guys. I mean, it was just nuts. It was like um, we all are very close today. We have, we all would, um, we've all, uh, we all moved together to do a, a, a little TV show um, called Giant, Johnny and the Sprites that was for kids. And a lot of times we'll, we'll be put together as a rhythm section because we just know how to work together. Right. And, um, so that was, yeah, six and a half years in a basement. Wow. Like even at the end of the show, you know, they would show us on a screen, right, at the end of the show. We never saw anybody. Right. And they, the sound department would shut down the, the applause at the end of the show. So you, you play your show, you're like, yay, boom. Nothing. Mm. Nothing. So it was challenging. And also, I love everyone there. And I love the whole experience was something else, I'll tell you. Right. It's um, something that I would have been an idiot if I said no. So um, that, was a, that was six and a half years. I did uh, um, Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. 
Okay. I held that chair. Do you know that show? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, I, I know the music. I have never gotten to see it though, but yeah, in fact, uh, I just recently talked, uh, to Sheila. So she, um, so you you will not have heard that episode. Uh, we're, we're recording on um, the March twenty four, March twenty six. Her episode will be released, and right. and uh, you know we talked about uh, quite a bit about that show in terms of kind of the the visual humor and how it's kind of like a modern Gilbert and Sullivan type of show. Uh, and I know I have friends who have seen it and loved it. And we actually there was a. In Greensboro, North Carolina, there was a production that was like in rehearsal when the pandemic happened. <laughs> oh dear! Yeah. Okay, it's quite a show. I mean, the lead actor has got to be somebody extremely versatile. Yeah, they got to play nine different people. Right. <laughs> Is that right? I think it's nine. Right. So I took um, once uh, my friend Dick Sarpala, who's an amazing bass player. He moved from that show. He started that show, moved to Aladdin, mm -hmm. and that became my chair. Nice. And it was great. I mean, I was in the back of, like, it was a pit that was open, which was great, and it was, like, orchestral, but I was in the back, and the <laughs> I couldn't take a full bow, and the conductor's like, I need more sound. I'm like, okay. Um, and I would be hitting the walls with my bow. It was quite a thing there. Wow. Um, but also, again, we are that, that particular band, we are on a thread together through this whole pandemic, mm. you know, so get, wishing people a happy birthday, whatever. And there's a lot of funny business. That show was between Avenue Q and G Gentleman's Guide. Those are just crazy funny shows. Right. And I, I don't know why, but I end up in places like that. Right. <laughs> so the mood is always very jolly and... Um, because I've done shows uh, as a sub, and you walk in, you're like, oh, my God, it's so depressing. I mean, right. Next to Normal was such a great rocking show, but it was it was hard to get through. I, I right. cried a lot. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it is, it's one of those – I was thinking about that show. Also, like on a local level, I've done Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill twice, oh. and – it's like both of those were short runs, and I just couldn't imagine doing that on a long run because that show just drains you. <laughs> it yeah. does. I mean, well, that's why in New York we have, you know, these subbing rules. That's why you can be a sub for many years and make a good living mm -hmm. because we have this, this, you know, it's like you don't – they want you to stay out there in the world – because that show will close eventually. Right. It's rare if something like the long run of that puppet show. I was like, really? Yeah. I mean, it was really good, yeah. you know. But I did not, in my wildest dreams, expect to have something like that. And it wasn't one of my goals, frankly, right. as a musician. It just happened. You know, I took leaves of the absence. I, you know, went on tours. I. I'm also a jazz musician and I, I'm a composer mm -hmm. and, um, you know, I do a lot of other things and, you know, I think the union recognizes that, that we need to stay out there because if you just think, oh, I'm going to New York and I'm going to get a show, well, that show could A, not happen or happen and tank. I've had people, I've had friends who were ready to go. They were like... Five, six months out, they're like, I got a show coming in. I'm like, wow, that's that's a long time. But then something happens, you know, it could be anything. Right. And it doesn't, it might not happen. So, uh, I mean, that's my, my advice to any listeners is like, right. keep your, your contacts going. You know, don't just think you're going to just get a show and that'll be that. Right. And yeah. if you want to be a sub, that's, I mean, I heard Andrea Newman's, uh, your podcast with Andrea Newman, and it's, it's terrifying being a sub. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it can be some of the worst feelings you could ever have <laughs> because right. the, uh, they expect you to sound like the person you're subbing for and it doesn't matter. Just make it happen. We don't care. So, yeah. Wow.
Yeah. Um, I was looking at the, you know, the list of cast recordings. You know, we talked about Avenue Q and your good man, Charlie Brown, and you have, you have a couple of others that you mentioned. Um, so you're on the cast recording of Far From Heaven and, and Silence. Now, S- Silence, is that the parody of Silence of the Lambs? Yeah. Okay. So you probably, we have a mutual acquaintance then, I imagine, Lisa Howard. Oh, Lisa's wonderful. Yeah. So uh, one of the things that I've done, what's taken me to New York in my only trips recently, um, I'm the arranger of a musical that she is the star of called The Collins Boy. Great. Yeah. And uh, it's like basically it was written for her uh, by... Uh, this co-written by Brad Bass, who's one of one of her friends. He was in Wicked and Memphis, and uh, he was also in Jersey Boys. And I'd, I'm not sure where he crossed paths with, paths with Lisa, but um, you know they have that that rapport. And uh, and I've gotten to work with her. I guess the first time I worked with her was in 2017, and then eight uh, you know 2018 2019 and of course you know nothing in 2020 but <laughs> uh but love working with her and but uh, i was talking to her one time um we had we had a dinner break and you know everyone loves to talk to lisa about spelling bee you know that's her oh, yeah. that's her big yeah. role uh, yeah. and and you can you can see the polite nodding from someone who obviously hears that a lot I mentioned, but we have a community theater in this area that will do shows that no one else will dare to do. And I told her about Silence was one of them. And it's like her her eyes got wide. She was like, oh, okay, tell me more. (laughs) You could tell that's one of those shows that's, you know, very, very interesting, very fun fun for those who've done it so <laughs> it's really scary i was hired really to do the album right. i didn't even play the show they didn't have a bass player on the show i don't think right but they wanted bass on the album and the album was kind of already done and it was like oh my god and there was really no i had to like look at scores right and figure out what i'm gonna play what i'm not gonna play and there was no rehearsal it was like come to the studio, we're going to sit there for 10 hours, and we're going to make this happen. I was like, okay. So me and my friend, Michael Kreuter, who was the drummer at Avenue Q, owns mm-hmm. Yellow Sound Lab, and he produced Silence and engineered it. And he's, you know, won a bunch of Grammys for his... When he was like... I met him when he was really young. He was in his 20s when I met him at Avenue Q. And I'm like, who is this young drummer? And now he's like... You know, producer, and he's doing really well. Nice. Yeah. And I'll just go ahead and interject. You know, so um, you know, most people I think who listen to this have some knowledge of theater. I I think we have really, you know, really well invested theater fans. But then there's probably people who are just kind of casually interested. Um, So I just say, if you don't know the musical Silence, and you're thinking, hmm, I might want to go listen to that, let me advise you go to Wikipedia. And just look at the song list. Just look at the titles <laughs> before you decide if this is for you. <laughs> it is uh, not a family-friendly show at all. I mean, Avenue Q was a dirty... They had a oh, yeah. lot of dirty stuff in there. I was like, oh, my God. I had friends. We had people come in. Oh, the Republican convention was in town when we were... Oh, my. Um, when we were playing, and and it was funny because that they would come, you know, we would have people come backstage or, you know, say something, and they were like, we were able to get out of the convention and we came to see your show, and we loved it, you know, and wow. it was really, it was very funny, but I don't want to get into politics, sorry. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you know, and cast recordings, just curious, as a musician. Um, you know, I've had a very limited experience with studio, but. Do do you record as a pit, or are you recording your part in isolation? Okay, so um, I have done, I don't know, I've done a few cast recordings where the whole band goes in, and you play things over and over again, and they move on. Mm. Next cue, move on. So they have, they can layer it up, and you might be in a room together, or you might be in a booth isolated. It just depends on the um, who decides all that. We just go where we're told as musicians. They're like, that's your spot. Okay, fine. 
Um, it really, that's not up to us, really. I mean, it, it's different every time I show up to a studio. Right. And layout of the studio. Um, I think, let's see, I'm trying to think. Well, the last cast album, which nobody's heard yet because our, we shut down because of the pandemic. It's so beautiful. I'm so proud of it. This is Girl from the North Country, right? Right. And um, let's see. I'm trying to remember the layout. That was also a super spreader event. We were all like eating buffet style on like March, whatever it was, 7th. Not good. Right. People were getting sick. We, everybody was sick at that show. We were, people were getting really sick. But um, so we were, some of us were in the same room. Singers were in a booth, isolated. Uh, yeah, that's kind of common. You know, the whole band will be together. I think maybe the drummer was in his, uh, uh, actually, the yeah, we have drums on some things, but the, one of the actress played drums. So she, she was in her own booth. Nice. Different every time, you know. Nice. Um, so you grew up in California, right? Yeah, I'm from Santa Cruz, California. Okay. From a little town called Aptos. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you know, just being in California, and you know, I know you, you've, of course, you've got some major markets. You've got LA, you've got San Francisco, and like in LA, um, you know, I've always thought if I, I don't, I don't have any connection uh, I, other than I, I studied film scoring and I've, I've scored some films. Um, the the session musicians for for Hollywood are absolutely amazing. So, um, just at what point in your life did you say this is not the coast where I want to do professional? I want to go to the other coast and work in theater. What uh, at what point did theater, or or just what at what point did you know that New York is where you were going to head? Um, you know, since I was I, I had been playing jazz. You know, I was I grew up as a classical musician, right. a classical pianist and violinist, and I did that until I was, you know, like 19. I was still a piano major in college, and it was like, this is not what I want to do. I've always, always listened to um, jazz, and I knew that a lot of it came from New York. Right. And where it, the style, the sound, and I just thought, you know, after 10 years of being in L.A., you know, I, I, was, I was from this beach town, then I moved down there and ended up in school, and then stayed on 10 years to work. Um, I just was like, if I don't move to New York and at least try to be a musician there, right? Um, I really wanted my goal, which was so funny, um, was to be a jazz bass player. Right. But at the time when I decided that, I was playing Jesus Christ Superstar in in a theater in, um, I can't remember the theater actually, somewhere in LA. Right. They had like, it was like regional stuff. And I loved it. Oh, actually, Jesus Christ Superstar, we were playing an outdoor venue. It was really cool. Nice. I forgot nice. about that. And long story short, um, I was like, if I don't do this now, I'm never going to do it because I had a beautiful apartment by the beach. I had a really nice studio, like big studio with my piano where I was teaching and I was not happy. Mm. I was just not, I just wasn't feeling it. Um, so I left and, and the funny thing happened. I mean, there's this little weird thing. This is how I got into Broadway was I went to play at my well, he's my husband now. He was my boyfriend then. I went to play or to to a, a wedding. His brother was getting married in Long Island, and there was a club date band. Right? Mm -hmm. They were playing for the dancing, and they were great. And then my husband, who's a trombone player, and I, and his father were to play a small jazz set for the family, right. and let the club da date band, you know, take their break. And we did that. And I met the bass player there, and it was Steve Gelfan who had the chair at Tommy. He didn't know I didn't live in New York. He said, come on down. He said, come on down and, you know, you sound great and come on down and check out my book. Maybe you want to sub. And I was like, thanks so much, but I don't live here. <laughs> uh, fast forward 
And and when I heard that kind of thing in L.A., uh, L.A. is very different than New York. People say things in L.A. and they don't really mean them. Right. In New York, I found out later, they do mean them. Right. <laughs> Even if you don't like it, they mean it. Right. Um, so I called Steve when I moved to New York and because I, I, I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I came here with nothing, like no connections, nothing. Call Steve up. He's like, yeah, come on down. Come on down and, and audit the show. And I just kept going down there and hung out there a lot and met everybody and tried to just get comfortable with the, the pit. And at the same time, I was, you know, teaching little kids how to sing and play music and like really little kids, like they were tiny children. Right. Um, and and then get going out to the jazz clubs and sitting in and getting my foot in that door. And then I got picked up, like, within maybe two or three weeks of me moving to New York, I got picked up by this um, all-female jazz band called Diva, and they had work. And I started working with them for a while. Um, And then I started from after my debut at Tommy, that led to an off-Broadway show, which I didn't mention in my my, um, resume there, uh, called... Swing Time Canteen. Oh, okay. And yeah, I was yeah. like, this is so not what I came to New York to do. But everyone was so cool and so nice. And they said, we need you to play piano. We need you to be in a, in a costume. I'm like, fine, whatever. It's it, I, you know, and then I ended up really loving, I mean, I'm friends with people still from that show, you know. I've worked with them and we've hung out and um, my friend Jackie Jackie Sanders was in that show and Marcy McGuigan and they originated those roles mm. in that show and it was a dinner theater and I was like okay I'll do that and then you know when you're subbing on an off Broadway show you're allowed to sub on Broadway if you can cover yourself. Um, at the show that you have. So I was able to get four subs that fit in my costume, that knew how to play bass and piano wow. and could cover me. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so what are some of your favorite gigs outside of the theater? Obviously, you, you know, you, you came to New York for jazz and you still love that, but what are, what are some of the things when you're not doing theater that you really love doing? You know, my thing is, I, I like to play music. I like to play good music, and I, I just love meeting new people. Um, you know, I do have my own band. I've been writing for over 10 years this music from Portugal called Fado. Mm. And um, and I use my, my, my uh, jazz-influenced you know, on some of the pieces that are usually vocally driven. So um, that's been enjoyable. I, you know, this weekend, uh, I don't have that many gigs now because it's a pandemic. Right. But I am, I'm fully vaccinated, which makes me feel less anxious. But I do have a streamed live gig with um, a singer and uh, this Friday, Samira Evans, and we're doing pieces by Abby Lincoln, Billie Holiday, uh, Nina Simone, like women composers, because it's Women's Month. Right. And I'm really excited about that. You know, I'm like, I'm like a little overly excited. And then I'm worried that I haven't been playing all the time. Like, you know, there's anxiety when, you know, when you play all the time, your chops feel great. Right. And and if people don't know what chops are, that's just your... You know, it's very physical to play the bass. It's very physical to play an instrument. Right. And we have to stay on it. You know, we have to just stay on it. So after this, I'm going to be doing a little practicing um, on the bass. But I've enjoyed, like, I've been to Portugal. I played at the Seychelles Jazz Festival with my band. Um, I loved playing with Cheetah Rivera. I mean, I got to play with her. I... That's a totally different thing, but it's I use all the things I've learned in my <clears throat> classical and jazz training and show training to work with her. Um, 
and that's always fun because like usually my really good friends are on that gig and it's kind of a hang you know right you, know, you, talk, you talked about the physicality of the you know that made me think about you know locally like there are certain instruments like my wife uh you know she plays violin but she's as an adult has taken up the harp and so like we can't have compact cars anymore we gotta think about what kind of car you drive and i just thought living living in new york and working in new york um i haven't asked this of my previous guests but do you drive in new york traffic to your gigs yeah i i I tried when I first got here to, to put that to take that base on a train. I have a base that's from um, was built in 1900 and it's from Prague, and I I, I can't right I can't. <laughs> I can't bring it out into right. the on the subway. I was getting smashed and pushed, and so um, I drive. It's very expensive. Mm-hmm. Got to park my car. I got to pay for tolls. I mean, I don't know if you know what the prices are in New York. I don't know exactly, but I know they're high. <laughs> yeah, I'll just tell you that when I did a gig at the Plaza Hotel, no, not the Plaza, one of those fancy hotels, right. like Central Park. And I I got, you know, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll just get a garage nearby. $90? I'm like... Uh, and then, but now the, the rates have gone down because of the pandemic because nobody's... In the city anymore um but yeah it's it's a huge cost and it's super physical there was you know i used to do a lot of private events i, I still do mm-hmm. i mean i will but um so they would call me marianne put a band together play like a trio and maybe play the ceremony or something and i'd walk to the plaza hotel in high heels carrying an amp an upright bass Mm. in the rain and they're like you have to go around the back <laughs> in the front you've kind of had it with that kind of stuff but right. um, you know I feel like uh, my thing is like I'm just happy I'm happy to play music right? and good music with good people That that's my thing you know I do love composing and I am currently doing that now because I have more time right um, I'm working on my second Fado album now. It's called Urban Fado 2. And I'm, I'm recording it from here, from this little cabin. Okay. I'm sending, I sent some of the tracks to Greece. I have, some, I have band members in Greece because I toured Greece. Um, yeah, just trying, you know. Nice. Um, well, I do have a few listener questions. I thought I'd go ahead and switch to that now. Um, it's, it's more than four questions, but it comes from four people. So I'll just go ahead and read these out. Um, okay. the, so the first one is from Joel, and he has a couple questions. So the first one is, do you have a preference for four-string, five-string, or six-string bass? And also, which is, use, which is used more? That's a good question. So for pit stuff, you got to know how to play minimum. This is the bare minimum. Upright bass, you need the extension on the upright bass, you need a four string, you need a five string. I don't think I've seen a six, I know people play the six string, but I don't do that. Okay. All right. And then uh, his other question was, um, well, just from your perspective, as music styles have evolved, uh, what has changed the most for a bass player in the pit today? Oh, uh, well, change from, like, what, in the last 10 to 20 years, or... I, I, I'm not sure what this context... I, that, may be, that may be more of a get, get a bunch of multiple generations, you know, in the same room. Uh, you know, I'm sure, like, a bass player for, like, Rodgers and Hammerstein, you know, era is going to, you know, not going to have nearly the equipment, you know, or even needs to know the styles, you know, but okay. So I mean, I think I know how to answer that. Um, now, like, okay, let's just talk about Book of Mormon for a second. Right. That's four string. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Five string fretted, five string fretless. I forgot to say the fretless. Wow. You need that too, and then upright bass. So literally, that show, I feel everything I've ever learned in my entire life. <laughs> I've had to do that at that show. Wow. 
I had like, I have to be, you start with the bow, you got to have your bow together. And on top of that, you have an avium that you got to mix, right? Uh-huh. Make sure you have that going. You make sure you, you know, get your, your particular mix. Cause if you just go in there and throw on some headphones, you're getting somebody else's mix and that might not be great for you as a, you know, so you find your mix. Um, what else? There's, there was a, was it that one? I'm just trying to think of the show that had all these pedals. SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> that show was wild. I was okay. a sub there. Wow. So that was um, five string electric, upright bass, but some really important and crazy pedals like distortion. Um, I think there was an octave divider. You just had to press them at the right times, otherwise the song was like ruined. So, okay. yeah, it's nice. a lot. That's the change: is all these extra things and the the fretless right. and the pedals, because right. that wasn't like that maybe ten years ago. Right. Seems yeah. like it seems like every instrument, every instrumentalist who's in a pit has to do more now. I mean, we I just had two episodes on what a keyboardist has had to go through in the last 30 years, you know, just, uh, it's, it's insane what you have to get that instrument to do. And there's two, sometimes at least two, sometimes three or four <laughs> in a show and, uh, you know, guitarists, the same thing. And yeah, bassists, uh, as and you they say, have, the guitarists now have to do, what's that thing they're working on? They do all the sounds and volumes ahead of time. Uh, well, MIDI of some kind, but there's a name for it. It's it's kind of a new thing, but they're all having to learn this new hmm. technology, and it's it's great. But you got to learn it, yeah. program it, and then you're good to go. But instead of having like another person come in with different volumes, like if you have a volume pedal, it might not be exactly the same. I mean, I've had to deal with volume pedals too, and that's not that fun. <laughs> wow. Okay, next question comes from Butch. Um, he says, to, to preface, I feel like we often put the poor bass player where she won't interfere with sight lines, but I try to get her near the drummer, cello, or keyboard, depending on the show. Where is where is the best... Uh, who do you prefer to sit next to? And uh, and follow-up question is, what's what kind of pickup or mic equipment do you use? I mean, it, it depends on the, the show, okay? So, like, Gentleman's Guide, I was in a string section, so it didn't make sense for me to be near the drummer, right? right. Slash percussionist. Right. Um, for, like, SpongeBob or something like that, it's it's great to be near the drums. I, I prefer that, if I can. Um, let's see. I think, what was that show? Fiddler? The percussion and drums were right behind me, which was great, and the horns were in front of me, and I did I was able to hear the strings from over there, even though I played so much with the strings. It's it was a hard call. Because like who like do I want to be in the string section or do I want to be near the drummer? Right. Like as a bass player, you're kind of going between sections. Right. I mean, you got to drive. That's a dri- you. That's a bass-driven show. I don't care what anyone says. That right. that is driven by the bass. Nice. And that is no joke, you know. Um, so it was Anastasia. That's another show. Mm. Great show. Great bass player had that chair, Mike Blanco, and the drums were right behind me. But most, a lot of my um, parts were trying to match with the strings, and they're on the other side of the pit. <sighs> so. <laughs> My personal equipment, I have a gauge pickup on my upright bass. Um, some of my electric basses have like, I don't know, I have an old electric bass that has, it's like an old 74 Fender Jazz, has the original pickups. I like Bartolini pickups on one of my five strings. There's a wonderful bass maker in um, the UK, and he made two bases for me once they're one's a fretless five string and one is a fretted five string and they're very lightweight and they're his company's called overwater so he has his own strings and his own pickups 
Um, they're comparable to Federa, in my opinion. I've played a lot of Federa bases. Okay. Yeah, if that. So nice. that's a little. I'm not a huge gearhead. I just like good stuff, right. you know. Right. Okay. Uh, and I feel like Sean's question is very close to what Butch asked. Sean is a drummer himself that's played for theater, and he says, uh, so how important is it for the rhythm section to be in the same proximity, like for the, especially like a bassist and a drum player? It really depends on the show, frankly. I think it's good to put them together. Mm-hmm. It's really important, but uh, what was the show? King Kong hmm. never saw the drummer, only on the break. They were in a completely other room, and so I dial. You're dialing in things into your uh, mix now. It's really, really important. So that's why, like, playing with the recordings over and over again until you're like really sick of the show is really important. So you, you dial it in um, because what's happening is people are on, like in bro- on Broadway because the theaters are tiny. They're built in like 1900, 1910. They got to put people on other floors sometimes, like entire sections. Like you may never see the band. It's really weird. I don't like that. That's a new thing in the last, I would say, 10, 15 years. Mm, yeah. Okay. You may never see your your comrades, you know. Um, I prefer to be together, but I know that's not realistic. Right. Okay. Uh, so the last questions come from Lily. Uh, Lily is a recent high school graduate. She she did uh, theater in school, so she's just a fan of theater, uh, and she just wants to know if you have one. What is your what is your favorite show that you've played, and what is your favorite show tune? Oh, oh boy! <laughs> I I would have to like get back to you on that because there's I, I've liked so many shows that I've played. I mean, right. I like I love Forty Second Street. I love Anything Goes. I love that, uh, Next to Normal. Um, I loved Avenue Q. I I. I I don't know. I mean, yeah. they're, they're a really wide range. I, I can't. And as far as a show tune, oh boy, that's a tough one. It depends on my mood. Right. You know, if I'm moody and I like a ballad. Right. Something, you know, I like some of the classics. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do like, you know, I like a lot of things that Stephen Sondheim wrote. Mm-hmm. Um, Things from Little Night Music. Some of those pieces are great. I don't think I could pick one. I, I don't. Right. I mean, I'm a little bit. I don't know if you can tell all over the place. Right. My taste. Well, I did, well, when I when I pose these questions, I uh, I put some of the shows you did. I didn't put that big list. So I figured someone with with that kind of experience is going to have a hard time picking one show and one song. No, I, can't, I can't do it. I'm sorry. No. And if you're like me, you know, you probably um, th- there there's music that you like as the player. And then there's some music you like as the listener that, you know, n- totally separate, you know, it, yeah. of experiencing it yeah okay so just some final questions i usually ask with um um everybody you know here on the show so you you, you already mentioned you showing up at the wrong theater so that's a nice horror story do you have any other uh do you have another horror story <laughs> from your time in the pit yeah so i'll tell you the one about one of the worst storms we had in new york right hmm. and uh, at the time, um, we lived in Brooklyn, and I knew, like, underground trains would be okay, but if they go above ground and there's a lot of snow, it's a no-go. So I'm like, okay. I said to my husband, it's like three hours before the show. This is um, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which I love that show, by the way. That's one of my favorites. Um, so he drove me to the... R or N train or something, which I knew was underground. I'm like, cool. And it, I don't know why, but it just took forever to get there. And this is pretty much before cell phones. So there's no way for me to communicate. The storm was bad. So I get out of the train. It's like 
five minutes to eight, right? And I need to be in this pit, like at the downbeat, right? Playing at eight o'clock. And I've been on the subway for hours, right? Not knowing what's happening. I get there, I run through unbelievable, huge amounts of snow drifts. It, the snow was crazy. Like you couldn't even, I, I didn't have the right clothes. I just ran, I ran. I got into the pit about one minute to eight. Wow. And I got in there and the conductor's like, glad you're here. Can you hurry? I'm like, oh God. So to try and play like that, like I had been running, running, running. So that was difficult, but I did it. And I'm glad I made it. I did make the downbeat, but not, you know, with storms and things. Like I have a story coming back from a Radio City show because I used to play the Christmas show where the train just dropped us off in the middle of Brooklyn and we didn't know where we were. It was dark and the snow was coming down so hard we had to walk home. It was terrible. Wow. Anyway, that's that's going home. So that that was a nightmare. I'll wow. never forget that. Wow. Um, and obviously you've got so many memories from working in the pit. Obviously, since you're still doing shows, they you must have a lot of fond memories. Is there a particular moment uh, that you'd like to share that's a fond moment from from your times working in shows? I mean, the one that comes up right away was, you know, I, I got to play in a show that won a Tony. Well, I got to play in two shows that won Tonys, the Avenue Q, but I wasn't there that night. I was in Puerto Rico on another gig. Right. But, but the show that the really nice memory was uh, The Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. Yeah. We were all in a bar, in our ball gowns, in an Irish bar across the street. We're all standing there. And it was silence, and we're watching the TVs, waiting for the announcement, and then the screaming happened. We won. We won the Tony that year. And it was, I don't know if I've been around that. We were all exhausted, but so happy, and then we walked to our party, you know, and it was really nice. Um, And I think that party was at Rockefeller Center, where the skating rink is, like, that's where the party was. It was really lovely. Um, that was, that's a good memory for my show life. There, there's a lot of. I mean, I would say, I would not. I don't. I wouldn't go back and do anything different. I, I love the experience. I love meeting these musicians that are so versatile and amazing. I love hearing new new work. I love seeing how a show is put together with the director, like. Wow, you know, like what they how they make those decisions. I find the whole process really interesting, especially this last show I was on, Girl from the North Country, because the director was also the writer right. of the show. And it was really cool to see him calmly say, Let's try this over here, let's do this over here. Because we were on stage, so I saw the pro I love the creative process, right? Um, yeah. I think one thing that must be really neat, if if I was in your position, something like Avenue Q, you know, you never know what what people are still going to be talking about later on. It's like you know, like sometimes you're you do something and it's really good, but you know, it's it's a part of its time and it's it's gone. Uh, but you know, uh, you know, I I can't remember how long it's been since Avenue Q opened. Probably what fifteen years or more, right? Yeah, more. Um, Two thousand three, I think we opened. Theaters everywhere in this country are still putting that on. It's like that's that's it's worked its way down to community theater, and it is a favorite. Uh, When it when it was put on uh, in Winston Salem the first time, uh, I think um, it's a theater that's allowed to you know extend and extend, and and it was the 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 biggest money making show that theater had ever had and they just kept extending it you know <laughs> it it just had a profound impact it, word of mouth people wanted to keep coming back and more and more theaters i know i i'd say any given year within 100 miles of where i live there's three three or four theaters <laughs> doing that shows amazing that's great i mean 
Yeah, I, I keep, keep I forget about that kind of stuff. You know, the, the the show keeps going and it's great, and the writers, you know, they wrote a lot of that show in cafes and loud places in the East Village because they were in school. Right. Right. They were in a workshop, and um, it it was really very clever. And Gary Adler, I have to shout, give a shout out to Gary, amazing musical director, really put that that show together um i mean he's he's a comedian himself um and a a brilliant musician um and uh, watching him uh you know work with the director and how they put this thing together you know this thing that i didn't want to do but i loved it you know once i got there right um because we all became really tight friends i mean that's one thing I miss in this pandemic. You know, we've had to, you know, I got into music because I wanted to be, you know, I didn't want to be a concert pianist. I thought I did because I was like going on that track, but that's like staying in your room for eight hours by yourself every day. I wanted to be with people. You know, I actually like people. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's very handy for, you know, an ensemble musician. (laughs) I mean, come on, you know, it's always, I'm playing with some very new people, I'm in the Northeast right now, in in the Berkshire Mountains, and I'm, the singer I knew, but the whole other, all the other band members I did not know, and I'm like just excited to meet new people and play, you know? Right. Where can people follow you, or find out more information about you, or any projects that you'd like to share where people can go find out about them? Okay, so um, I'm on Facebook, Marianne McSweeney. Um, I also have an Instagram account. I have a website, MarianneMcSweeney.com, um, where you can hear some of my recordings, which are, you know, jazz-leaning that way. And um, I'm also a real estate agent, so if you want to have <laughs> I can represent yeah. you here in the Berkshires. Um so, yeah, I'm kind of mixing it up, you know, I'm nice. just doing that till further notice. I really enjoy that. Um, it's a lot like music, believe it or not. Nice. Because you're with people, you're working with others, it's team teamwork. So all this stuff I've learned in music, um, you know, even in business, the business of music, that's, it was kind of, a, it's been a really uh, seamless transition, but it's not like I'm not going to play. Right. I'm going to do both, you know, because I I really like both. So I have a real estate page, too, on Facebook. But that's where people can find me. I mean, I'm just I'm here and I'm happy to do if people need a recording or something, they could just reach out to me because I have all the gear. Right. Right. So, yeah, I'm around. (laughs) I have a phone number. You want that? No. (laughs) 917. No. No, that's great. So anyways, uh, Marianne, thank you for taking time uh, to just tell us about your your long and wonderful career, and I hope that you are able to get back to that very soon. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for asking me to do this. Um, You know, and I wish you the best, too. You know, I did listen to your music, and you're very talented. You've got some great stuff going on. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And that completes episode number 45. And just a few reminders, uh, each new episode comes out every Friday, uh, first thing in the morning. And episode 46 will be coming out next week. That'll be April 23rd. And uh, also, just a reminder, you can go to davidlanemusic.com slash podcast and find all of the episodes. You can also leave me feedback through the comment form and... Uh, also there is a donate button. That's the only way that at this point that I make, uh, any revenue at all, there are operating expenses. So any little bit that you can get does go to help, uh, keep this podcast going for week after week and hopefully year after year. We're not quite done with one year yet, but we're getting close. And also just a reminder, um, if you can hit that five star rating on Apple Podcasts, that is a big help if you feel inclined to leave a review or if you don't want to do any of that and just want to share this episode, 
please uh, help us get new listeners. Um, this is something I bet there's a lot of people that don't, they don't even know what pit music really means. And, but maybe they're fans of theater and maybe, or maybe they're just musicians, whatever that is, please help us to reach these new listeners. Thank you so much for being a listener of this podcast and we'll see you next week. As a reminder, if you want to follow what's coming up next, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Life in the Pit Pot. You can follow me on Instagram at David Lane Music or Twitter or Facebook at David M. Lane Music. As always, a special thank you to Mark Perillo for his cover art and to Bill Cisna for providing the introduction to this podcast. The theme music is composed and performed by David Lane. You can leave feedback, a donation, or find out more about the podcast at davidlanemusic.com slash podcast. Please rate and review on the Apple Podcast app, and please share with your friends. Thank you for listening.